Well, good morning, LCM. Good morning. I think you can do better than that. See, I gave you two warnings, and then, and then we still needed a little help. So here we go again. You ready? Good morning, LCM. Good morning. There you go. Today is August 8th, 2021. Man, we got to talk to you about last Wednesday night just for a second. It was so amazing. Bim and Peyton and Linton yeah. presented a powerful, provocative, yep. poignant sermon on growing through the difficult pruning process that is seen in both in the lives of Peter and Paul. The pruning of personal, very public kind of failures, as well as the perpetual pruning of difficult circumstances. They are always meant to help you develop to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And they're designed to deepen our convictions and prepare us for participation in a perpetual priesthood. We're so proud of these guys. These are incredible men. To be able to see that the pruning in their lives, the pruning that they're undergoing, is producing a productive priesthood. Can somebody say hallelujah? Hallelujah. Isn't it encouraging to know that God is helping us produce a productive priesthood? I'm talking about like a man is what we're going into. Mature manhood. Well, speaking of productive priesthood, I'm talking about generations that are growing all up in this house. Wade and I, we're grandpas, y'all. Yeah! And look, like all good grandpas, we're going to spend the next 50 minutes showing you pictures of our new granddaughter. The remaining 10 minutes will be a call to the altar for repentance. That's pretty much what we're going to do. Because we couldn't do that, how can we not start with a picture of our granddaughter? Let's put up our first slide. Yeah. Raise a hallelujah. This is Rivka Lynn Sutherland. Nay, born on August 6, 2021, Friday at 7.07. She was six pounds and 11 ounces prior to receiving her golden diaper 19 and a half inches long what a beautiful sight I, I couldn't help but commenting to a few folks to see that she is the physical representation of our households being joined together well next slide is a close-up of this beauty oh look at that oh Just look at squeeze the cheeks baby So the physical attributes we couldn't help but notice are the, the joining of our two households, the Sutherlands and the Piros. I see Natalie's chin and cheeks. I see Gabe's eyes. I see the Sutherland nose and just the, the perfect expression of beauty in this young little woman. Well, I couldn't also but help think of Psalm 7118. And it goes like this. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. Man, this is my heart and mission now as a grandfather. I'm going to declare to the generations the lifetime of experience of God's wonder-working power inside of me that can also be for them. What a glorious time. 
Look, I know some of you have so many questions. We're trying to give you some of the data. I know uh, some of you ladies, especially, you want to know things like how labor went and yeah. the difficulties that were there. Yeah. I think that we have a perfect picture to help you to explain and for you to get the kind of uh, the difficulties and the triumphs of the labor. So oh, we'd so. like to show you this uh, picture. Yeah. Uh, Gabe thought that the labor was not nearly as painful as he thought that it would be. <laughs> he felt pretty glorious the entire time, so we just thought we'd catch you up on that. Um, he had stretch marks on his tricep right there. <laughs> just from reaching up in celebration. Uh, but we do have a better picture here for you of the entire family, Gabe and Natalie and Rivka. My mind and my heart were driven to Psalm 145 and verse 13. It says this, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your dominion endures through all the generations. Look at the last sentence that's on your screen. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all that he does. Yes. Come on now, what we're doing here and what you're seeing is the faithfulness of God that's put on display. I mean, it, it, it gives us, uh, it warms our heart. It makes us feel pretty good. I mean, if you can't tell, we're in a pretty good mood right now. I mean, the truth is, is Matt and I, I mean, we feel like we're on top of the world. We feel like, like we're, we're just the boss. We feel like the big kahuna. I mean, you know, we just really feel like, like the chief of our own tribes here today, which actually brings us to the title of today's message. The title of today's message is The Big Kahuna. You're Everybody welcome. say The Big Kahuna. Look, as we say that, you're going to have a variety of things that come to mind. So, taken from a real online dictionary like Webster's, the most familiar idea that you have with this term is somebody who's of great importance, great power, much like our elders. The big kahuna guys. You know, someone who's a chief, right? They, they got skill. They got mastery. Yeah, exactly. Others of you will inevitably hear something in relation to this term, the big kahuna. So, see, I mean, just cup your ear like this. Can you hear it? It's the crashing of waves. Landing on the beaches of Hawaii. Right? Maybe a, a faint... Faint sound of the Beach Boy album playing Everybody in the background. Everybody go surfing. Exactly. Surfing U.S. How can we not talk about the Big Kahuna, Hawaii, surfing without thinking about Peyton Parsons? Yeah. I mean, this is some of his background and experience. I mean, when I hear the word Big Kahuna, I think of, of Peyton owning a 25-foot wave. Gliding down effortlessly to the sand on their, the beach. And because he's been there for so long, he speaks the native language of pigeon. Right? He's memorized Bible verses in pigeon. And as he engages the locals after mastering this, uh, this, this major wave, I mean, he begins to describe to them from the scriptures about the Jesus people. Yes, in the lives of the Jesus guys, otherwise known as disciples. And they respond back to him, that's it. That's it. Meaning, amen. This is what comes to my mind. But the most rarest of definitions and understanding for this term, big kahuna, is that it means in a Hawaiian description of a prominent priest 
or sage. I mean, this is taken directly from Merriam-Webster's uh, dictionary, which brings us to something that we have been talking about for the past couple of weeks, right? Numbers 8, the priesthood. And we've been speaking about the priesthood and the entire process of, process of being shaved, process of being pruned, the process of being prepared for the work of the Lord so that we can perform rightly that work for us and for our generations. Yeah. Are you guys ready to move on? You still envisioning the waves of Hawaii and Peyton owning that wave? <laughs> Say we're ready to move on, Pastor. Okay, so let's go. move on by turning to Numbers chapter 8 together. We're going to take a look where we ended last Sunday's theme. In Numbers 8 and verse 11, some might say the big kahuna when you get there. Numbers 8 and verse 11 says this. Aaron is to present the Levites before the Lord as a wave offering from the Israelites so that they may be ready to do the work of the Lord. Yeah. See, what we're trying to get to today is that the purpose of the entire process of being taken, of being made into something, being sprinkled and shaved and, and clothed, having not one but two bulls, one for a free will offering, a willing and voluntary tribute to the Lord, and then the atonement. The presentation, the participation, and the proliferation, the entirety of the process is designed to make you ready to work for the Lord. Amen. This is not a time where you're getting disqualified. This is the very thing that is going to qualify you. Everybody say, I'm qualified. I'm qualified. Everybody say, the Lord is making me more qualified. See, this is a time where the Lord is refining us, not trying to define you by those things that are being shaven away or being pruned away. See, now that we've become clear on how to be made ready, we'd like to begin exploring what that work actually looks like and how it relates to you and to me in our everyday life. Yeah. We're studying the eternal priesthood of God here, folks. I mean, we are, we are gathering information, and if you were here last Monday night, you understand a little bit more about this eternal priesthood that God has established. How this eternal priesthood, it'll be even operating in the kingdom, in the age that is yet to come. And that priesthood that we're talking about, that we're learning about, has a work that was prepared in advance for them to do, and there's a work that's prepared in advance for us to do. Somebody say amen. Amen. So we had been, we've been studying from Numbers 8. We want to show you what comes in advance of Numbers 8. So everybody turn with me to Numbers 3 and say the big kahuna whenever you get there. We're going to be reading to you out of the ESV's sound booth. Now before we read this, we spent quite some time talking about the preparation process but ending with prepared to do the work. Isn't it good to know what the next step is after you've been prepared? Like now what is exactly I'm supposed to do as a priest? Well, starting in verse five, we're going to pick up in the ESV. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, bring the tribe of Levi near and set them before Aaron, the priest that they may minister to him. Hmm. So let's look at this from a, a very clear perspective, a big perspective. What a place of honor. What a place of privilege to have been chosen and brought near the presence of God. I mean, no other tribe 
could be as close to God's presence as the Levites were. Many of you guys will remember the tribal encampment and that overview of all the tribes in their position. And Levi was the closest to the tabernacle. Well, this was a seat of honor, of heritage, and they were a gift to Aaron and his sons and to the Lord and to the people. There's a relationship between all three that the Levites have with them. What a place of great responsibility to be set before the Lord. So they were brought near and then set before him. Set before Aaron, the high priest of Israel, so that they, the Levites, could minister and serve him. You guys detect that in that verse? The him here is Aaron. They were chosen to serve him. Look, to plainly put it, ministering to Aaron was ministering to the Lord on Israel's behalf. That was the work of the, of the Levites. And let's add one more facet to that. By ministering to Aaron, it was also ministering to Israel on the Lord's behalf. See, they were there to do the work of the Lord, but there's a relationship between all three parties. So the next verse helps you to understand what ministry to Aaron looks like. They shall keep guard over him. And somebody say, and over the whole congregation before the tent of meeting as they minister at the tabernacle. Now, many of you in the room, you're going to pick up on the idea and understand the fact that the Hebrew word for keep, they shall keep guard, is the verb shamar. Everybody say shamar. Shamar. This word means to watch, to keep, to guard, to be careful, to be on guard as if one were had the responsibility to care for another. Let's put it in, our, in our, our example from real life right now. Can you imagine how much Gabriel and Natalie are learning what shamaring is all about? <laughs> to actually keep watch over this, whoa, every little thing, right? <laughs> Who are the Levites supposed to be keeping guard over? They're keeping guard over him. This is about keeping guard over Aaron, the high priest. This ministry to Aaron is about not only serving him, but shamaring or guarding him and his function as well. And, somebody say and, and. over the entirety of the congregation. Hmm. See, they have a dual responsibility here to Aaron and to the congregation, guarding, watching, caring for the whole entirety of the people of God. So this is a, a very clear principle. ESV lays it out very well. But there's something even deeper, richer, and more beautiful about this passage when we look at it in its original language of Hebrew. Well, we have a slide that shows the interlinear of this passage, highlighting the Hebrew word as well as the English progression of this verse. You'll notice at the top left of the slide, they shall keep. This is what pastor was just speaking of. They shall shamar. Now, the English language trips us up a bit. It can be a bit confusing because you can see that right after keep, you have the word guard. Guard is not shamar in this verse. Guard is mishmerit. Many of you guys who've been through our ministry training one class will be very familiar with that word. Mishmerit means the duty, the mission. It is what they've been entrusted to accomplish. 
Now, to put this in right context, this passage begins with, they shall keep, they shall shamar. And this is a verb. The mishmeret is the object that that verb is pointed at. What they are to shamar is the mishmeret, the duty, the mission, everything that is required of Aaron and his role as high priest. So plainly put, the Levites are to guard the mission of Aaron. But it doesn't stop there. Notice in the slide, there is a second mishmeret. Look to the far right. At the far right, you also see that exact same word occur again. This is a second mishmeret. They are to guard the duty, the mission, and mishmeret of Aaron and someone else. Let's look at the next slide. This is a continuation of this interlinear. And you can see the first mishmeret that we covered is to the far left. The second is highlighted in blue in the middle. And it continues with over the whole congregation. So what is clear is that the Levites were to shamar the mission of Aaron and the mission of the whole congregation. Both. Everybody say both. Both. Both are required for the work of the priesthood. You cannot have priesthood with only one of these two. They had to have both missions in mind at all times. Both duties that were going about in their priestly work. So we're helping you to define what priestly ministry is all about. There are two missions that God clearly states and gives to the Levites. One to guard the mission or the duty of Aaron, the high priest. And the other is to guard the mission and the duty of the people as a whole. Let me help and walk you through to make sure that this is connecting with you. Give you a few examples. A beautiful heavenly design between these two truths. These two missions that we have to keep in mind. In number 16. We see the quintessential example of what a priest is to do. It's one of my favorite passages of looking at what a priest does. The whole assembly, the whole congregation was grumbling against Moses and Aaron. You got to put yourself in the context of Korah's rebellion here. Of people uh, opposing the very priesthood of God as a matter of fact. And that caused a plague to come upon the people. So Aaron ran toward the congregation. He ran with a censer in hand, with incense and fire from and burning coals from the very altar of God. He literally positioned himself in between the living and the dead. Yeah. He was literally standing between those who were not yet affected and those who were dying as a result of their sin. Listen to this. Aaron literally had two missions that he was accomplishing simultaneously. He was guarding the mission of the ultimate high priest. He was guarding the mission of God himself because God was dealing with those who had rebellion in their heart. But he was also dealing with the mission of the entirety of the people that they might not all be consumed, but that they might find restoration. Do you guys see how there are both of those there? Let me give you another example. Uh, maybe one of the best examples of the entirety of the group of Levites who were able to do this. We saw the picture in Aaron in number 16. But for the entirety of the group of people to see this exactly as it's prescribed, you got to go to 2 Chronicles 23. Let me tell you about this story as well. The Levites have two missions here, two mishmarriage, just as it's prescribed in Numbers 3. We see another high priest in the days of Chronicles 23. It's Jehoiada. 
the high priest. And he's restoring the mission of the heavenly high priest as well as the people of God by reestablishing the rightful and the true line of King David in his kingship. You might remember this is where Athaliah came in and tried to destroy the entire family of David, tried to end what God's purpose, what the high priest had determined. But Jehoiada is coming in to defend and put things back in right order. Now, Jehoiada is the high priest, so the Levites have a responsibility to guard the mission of Jehoiada and to guard the mission of the people. And that's what you see the Levites do. They come in and they act almost as an army of God. They're listening to Jehoiada, standing on guard, standing on duty, and then you see them surrounding the very king because it was the king that was going to help God's people. You see them in both cases guarding a double and a mission. You do. Uh, you guys ever been in a position where you're standing in the tension of two truths, right? And what does that cause you to do? Cause you to pray, to seek God's face. How do I carry this out? It's much like one time whenever uh, Judah told his boys to come from the back office to out here. And Wade and I were having a discussion in a room in their path. So we didn't know that. We looked at the boys and said, nope, y'all go back. And they froze. We didn't know that their dad told them to progress and go. We were sending them back and they were caught in that tension of two truths. I don't know what's right, but either way, I'm going to die. Is what kind of way they felt. It eventually that's, resolved that's really well. Judah stepped in and we got it all cleared up. But see, God here for his priesthood, for the priests, the Levites, he's putting them in a place of dependency. Now, verse 8. Let's continue on. They shall guard all the furnishings of the tent of meeting. And, everybody say and. And. Keep guard over the people of Israel as they minister at the tabernacle. So to guard the furnishings is really just another way of viewing the process of guarding the mission of the high priest of Aaron. It was the very things that he was responsible over. Aaron was. Meaning the types of offerings, the furnishings, the instruments of sacrifice. These things mattered deeply to the Lord. Because he is the one who prescribed it. And it is Aaron's duty to oversee it and make sure that everybody follows it. So this chapter opens with two of Aaron's sons. And the two of Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, they failed to guard these parts of Aaron's mission. They offered unauthorized fire. They were not guarding the mission of Aaron, the high priest, and they were not guarding the mission of the whole congregation. So God put them to death. Look, what's happening here in verse eight is that this is a way to reemphasize the importance of guarding parts, both parts of the mission that God gave the mission to Aaron and the mission to the whole congregation. See, this perspective continues on in verse 9. Take a look with us. Chapter 3, verse 9. And you shall give the Levites to Aaron and his sons. They are wholly given to him from among the people of Israel. See, the Levites are a gift. Yes. Mainly because it is their duty, their responsibility to make what the mission of Aaron and the mission of the people is their singular concern. Everybody say singular concern. See, the Levites are to have no other matters that are concerning to them. They are wholly, completely, undividedly given to Aaron and his sons. 
from the people themselves. The, the Levites, you can think about it this way, that they're given clear instructions to do away with civilian affairs. You know what I mean. Those things that, that occupy time, thought, energy, effort. Those civilian affairs. They are so much to put those away that the only, only the relationship, only the interconnectedness to Aaron, his sons, and service of the people should matter to them at all. Man, how many concerns do we have? How much better would we do today if we did not concern ourselves with civilian affairs but looked to the example of the Israelites, looked to the example of the Levites and said, Lord, the only thing that matters to you is the assignment that you've given us to have a holy given attitude to what God has put before you. See, this is a beautiful example and it gets even better in verse 10. Oh, it does. Isn't it good that God gives clear direction that helps you stay on mission? Even by giving you two missions, both? Well, this is all aimed at somewhere, though. Verse 10, pick up with me. And you shall appoint Aaron and his sons. So who are we talking about? Let me hear everybody. Aaron and his sons. Make sure you're with me. And they shall guard their priesthood. So who are we talking about again? Aaron and the sons. Aaron and the sons. But if any outsider comes near, he shall be put to death. Mm. So to get the bigger picture, now that the Levites are wholly given to Aaron and his sons, Moses puts Aaron and his sons in charge. He is appointing them to this priestly office that oversees the Levites. Their perpetual function is that they, Aaron and his sons, shall guard their priesthood. Their priesthood includes being responsible for the function, role, and gift that the Levites were to Aaron and his sons. Aaron and his sons are the head of the Levitical priests that served them and the whole congregation. So this is quite a summary of function after covering the multiple ways in which the Levites were to guard the mishmaret of Aaron and the mishmaret or mission of the whole congregation. There is an interconnectedness between them, a dependency between Aaron and his sons and the Levites, and that is God-ordained. Through guarding the mission of Aaron and the whole congregation, the Levites would then fall under the protection, the provision, and the perpetual priesthood of Israel with Aaron and his sons. There is a guarding that is reciprocal in this matter. Look, through guarding, you can see that God is providing everything that the Levites would need. Overcoming every fear of the what if in the future. In light of that, when it comes to fear and the what if of the future, can't help but think of surfing again, Chris. I mean, my, my mind is still reflecting back on Peyton owning that wave. And as far as I know, most times when I see master big kahuna surfers, it requires both feet to be a skillful surfer. There may be an exception out there with somebody who had a shark bite and took off one leg. But both are needed for stability. Yeah. 
Both are needed to become a big kahuna. Which brings me to this word priesthood here in verse 10. The word for priesthood in verse 10 is pronounced in Hebrew, kehuna. So let's put up this slide. We want to show you something here. The word here is kehuna. It is a noun that means priesthood. Now see... See, what's going on is we're, we're talking to you about a priesthood. We're talking to you about Levites. The truth is, is that most of Christianity actually has no distinction between the two. When they hear one, they think of the other, and they just move forward without really any clear distinction. That may not be the worst thing because of the interconnectedness of these two groups of people. You can, you can see that the priests are pulled from the Levites, but there's an interconnectedness that is there. We have the kehuna is the priesthood. They are here and they're being displayed. It's, the, it's like the big kehuna. It's that the priesthood is what God has established and he's given it to Aaron and his sons. This kehuna must be guarded. Yes. That's what verse 10 said. You must guard their priesthood. They has to be guarded and kept and cared for. To accomplish this, Aaron and his sons were given the gift yes. of the Levites to be able to help them. A group of people specially anointed, specially prepared and privileged to guard the mission and the duty of both Aaron and his sons and somebody say and and, and the people of Israel as a whole. Let me say this for you in a different way to start making the connection with our hearts. Aaron and his sons needed the Levites yes. to help them guard their mission that God had said. That to guard the very kehuna, the very priesthood. And the Levites needed Aaron and his sons to perpetually guard the entirety of the kehuna, the priesthood. See, this priesthood encompassed all of the duties and mission of their lives. Both of the priests and of the Levites. That was all that their life was about. So much so, you can see it highlighted in the second highlight there, that the Levites' perpetual inheritance and allotment was not a physical land grant. It was not an actual plot of land. Come on now, ministry training too. Where are you at? How important is the land in the covenant that God makes? He's got a, there's a man, and there's a people, and there's a plan, but there's also a place. There's also a specific land that God is making covenants with. And he's saying, you don't get the land because you get me. God is saying, I've got appointed yes. something for you. You don't need to be looking even for things that are good. He's saying, your inheritance is me. You get to be yes. close to me. You get to work for me. That is what you're after. That is what you should be guarding. Man, you want to you wanna talk about a privilege to be, have the inheritance of God himself as your inheritance. Man, look at that last line that's underlined. They were able through ordination... To use anointing oil, special clothes, and sacrifices. What an honor. Somebody say, that's a privilege. That's a privilege. A privilege to be able to work for the Lord. This is not some kind of drudgery. This is not like your own nine to five job. This is a work that the Lord has built you for. He has created you for. He's anointed you for. And you get to be close to him every single day of your life. Amen. Man, that should cause you to throw away civilian affairs that you're concerned about and go, man, I've been given something that is beautiful. See, Aaron and his sons were being guarded by the big kahuna. 
Let me say that a different way. They are a koanim, a priesthood that was covered by the heavenly priesthood. And therefore their mission was to guard the duty of God, his priesthood, and of the people. See, this has got beautiful implications for us as we move forward. It does. Come on, everybody say, I am privileged. Because you've been given an eternal priesthood. See, it is a privilege to stand in God's presence. When we worship as a body, when we are reading the word on our own, in a time of tabernacle prayer, man, it's a privilege that Jesus has opened up the way for us to stand in the Holy of Holies with our God. But it's not there just for you to feel privileged. It's there for you to have an inheritance of an eternal priesthood. Do you see the privilege the Levites have in participating under the cover of this big kahuna? The priesthood of Aaron and his sons? So, let's make it real. You want to make this real this morning? What does it look like for you and me? See, this is not only a five-fold perspective. This is a nation of priest perspective, meaning every believer that is in the body of Christ participates in this priesthood that's covered by the big kahuna. It is a privilege to participate in the anointing oil, the smearing of God's power by his spirit, divinely enabled to demonstrate the kingdom of God, empowered to guard the mission of our high priest and the whole congregation. Paul makes this very clear to his son, Timothy, and fellow priest of God. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1, and we're going to read verse 13 and 14. Say big kahuna whenever you get there. Kahuna. 2 Timothy 1, 13. What you heard from me... Keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. That priestly duty, that priestly mission and mishmeret was to guard what had been entrusted to him and guard it by the power of the high priest that's been given to him. And praise God, we don't get to do this alone. We don't have to do this alone. We can't do it alone. That not only do I need my brothers and my brothers need me, I need the mission of the high priest empowering me to do it. This is what has built the kingdom of God ever since. See, it's an honor to be have that anointing oil not only applied, but for you to operate in the anointing of God. It is an honor to be adorned with priestly garments. Both the Levites and the priests, the sons of Aaron, Aaron and his sons, had special garments that were given to them. In their role and function, they were assigned a special type of garment, a special type of clothing. In other words, the righteous deeds that were given and assigned by the high priest to be clothed with Christ, as Galatians 3 says. But let's see a good picture of this in Isaiah. Everybody turn with me to Isaiah chapter 61. Let's look at verse 10 together. Say the big kahuna when you get there. See, teaching you how to say it in Hebrew right there. 
Isaiah 61.10 says this. I delight greatly in the Lord. Come on, can anybody testify to that? I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul, I mean, down on the inside, not just what I'm saying on the outside, but my soul rejoices in my God. For he has clothed me. He's not just assigned it to me. He's given it to me. He's clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. Come on now. That's the finest thread count that you can find is a robe of his righteousness. I mean, that's something special. You don't need to go to a hotel and steal that. You can't steal this. It's got to be given to you. Take that Egyptian cotton. (laughs) And what is the comparison here? As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. Not only should you be understanding that these are priestly garments, you can go throughout the law and see what each group was assigned to wear. Something special, a garment of salvation, a robe of righteousness, their head anointed with the very crown like a priest that had a, an emblem, a banner on it that said, holy to the Lord. They were marked by something that God was doing. I mean, you might even hear, if you are New Testament centric, you might even hear the armor of God that's being applied to someone in this moment. See, that priestly garments that God has, God is giving you a privilege. He's saying, if you're going to come work for me, then you've got to dress rightly. I mean, it's almost like there's a wedding and you better have the right kind of clothing on or you can't even exchange this. But we're doing more than just attending. We will attend a wedding, but we are working for him. And when you get close to him, you got to have the right kind of garments on. But he's the one that gives it. He's the one that endows it. He's the one that blesses you with it. And so you can walk around with a garment of salvation, a robe of righteousness, and having him adorn you just like he did for the priesthood. Amen. And look, this morning we're talking about Levites based out of Numbers 3 and what this looks like. But more importantly, you know who we're talking about? You. I'm not you serving the Lord as priest. You having the privilege of handling the anointing oil. You having the honor of wearing, being adorned, decked out with special garments. And there's even more. Isn't it a supernatural sign to be included as foreigners into a heavenly priesthood? I mean, as foreigners that participate now, we're offering sacrifices that are pleasing and acceptable to the Lord's altar. Sacrificing on behalf of others, guarding the mission of our high priest, and guarding the mission of the whole congregation. Let's look at this as it's clearly laid out in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 11. Say big kehuna whenever you get there. Come on, don't be shy. You got to say it. There you go. Especially the left side of the room, my left. Let me hear you guys say it. Okay. Lackluster, but we're getting there. (laughs) Ephesians 2.11. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done by the body in human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope 
and without God in the world. But now, but now, but now, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near, like the Levites brought near by the blood of Christ. His blood has purchased for you the right to participate in the heavenly priesthood. No longer excluded, but we're included. Pick first like Red Rover on the playground. We find the honor and privilege to be included in this. Come on now, church. Don't forget that what we're talking to you today about is the fact of understanding why you're going through the pruning. Why you're going through the shaving, why you're going through these things is so that he can then bring you close. He can prepare you. This is the Lord preparing you. Has anybody found yourself in the last few weeks in a difficult situation and then praying for God to help you? Yes. Has anybody made the realization that I did that this is God helping me? I don't need to get out of the pruning. I need to go through that process because this is on the other side. I get to be brought near. I was a foreigner. I was way far away. And what he's doing is drawing me close. He is preparing me. He's equipping me. He's qualifying me. Why am I going through all this? Because this is where we're aiming. We get to stay close to him and do the work of the Lord. This should be my only concern. I'm not worried about what it feels like right now because I know the end result. I know that he's preparing me. I know that he's making me exactly what I've always dreamed that I could be. But this is the process of getting there. Let's continue on because Ephesians 2 is so beautiful. You who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Skip down to verse 19. Look at what it says in verse 19. Consequently, As a result of what we've just been talking about, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. Come on, man. Chris got it, man. You did not have citizenship and you've been brought near. Hold your place here. Don't go anywhere. I'm just going to ask Olivia. We're going to, if you'll put up uh, numbers three, ten. In light of this, you're no longer foreigners and strangers. I'm going to have Olivia go there and then we're all going to go back to Ephesians 2. Appoint Aaron and his sons to serve as priests. Anyone else who approaches the sanctuary is to be put to death. Wow. Can you uh, put that in the ESV? I know I'm throwing, throwing you off here. We're going off script. But if any outsider comes near, if a foreigner, if a stranger, see, it's not just that we're allowed to come close. We should be put to death by even thinking about trying to come close. But part of the guarding of the priesthood is that that's not our status anymore. We're not foreigners. We're not far away. We are the very sons and the priests of God. Let's go back to Ephesians 2, 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. Does that make more sense to you now? But you're fellow citizens with God's people. Oh, that's good. I'm a fellow citizen. And, somebody say and, And. also members of his household. I'm not just a citizen, I'm part of his family. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Built upon that. 
Man, you should be thinking in your mind. You should, I know some of you are already flipping in the Rolodex in your mind and you're, you're hearing an Acts 2, 42 kind of passage where they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. They were devoting themselves and building their lives on the foundation of what the apostles and the prophets have established. Oh, look at here. With Christ Jesus himself as the big kahuna. Yeah. As the yeah. chief cornerstone in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too, somebody say me too, the right kind of me too movement are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Now you may have missed this just in what we presented. Are you seeing that there's more than just one mission that's afoot here? Are you seeing that built upon, in verse 20, that it's built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the chief, the big kahuna, the heavenly, the high priest. This is his mission. We're paying attention to it. And somebody say, and, and. we're also being built together. You're seeing the mission of the high priest and you're seeing the mission of the people and that's where we're standing is we're able to operate in both. Amen. We're joined together. We're built together but we are under the headship of the big kahuna himself, the chief high priest, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Notice how in that passage it said uh, on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Man, how can you not reflect on Acts 2.42 through 47? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, breaking of bread, prayer. You guys know from discipleship training that there are seven total things that encompass them guarding the mission of the high priest and guarding the mission of the whole congregation. Well, what a gift it is to be covered by the big kahuna. To walk underneath the leadership of the internal priesthood of Jesus. So much that his priesthood is our inheritance. Amen. Here in this church, it's directly reflective of this same principle that we see for the Levites. We have forsaken all possessions of this life. We have forsaken all ownership of our future. We are looking for an inheritance that is far, far better than a 401k. It is far more richer than a plot of land. And it is so much more productive than a family business that's handed down to us. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Say the big kahuna whenever you get there. We're going to read this in the ESV again, sound booth. Come on, left side of the room. Let me hear you now. Yes. In faith. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance. Say inheritance. Inheritance. That is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Kept in heaven for some. Kept in heaven for you. Who are by God's power are being guarded through the faith for salvation. 
ready to be revealed in the last time. Church, you have been included into a heavenly priesthood, an eternal kahuna. This priesthood is undefiled. It's never fading in glory. It is preserved and guarded in the presence of our high priest for you. When your days are over, what will the efforts of your life point to? Will it point to a total and all-out investment into his priesthood? Or will it also include something else parallel to it? There can be no parallel to his priesthood. There is no parallel to the big kahuna. You, like the Levites, are to be given holy unto Yeshua, our high priest. Because his priesthood is our lasting inheritance. What we have given our lives for is for your preparation as priest of the living God. Prepared for this very moment. I'm talking about right here and right now. Ready to do the work of guarding. Guarding the mission of Jesus. And guarding the mission of the whole congregation. This will result, as seen in the scripture in 1 Peter, in God's power guarding you. Church, the truth is, is that you and I are being prepared in a special kind of way. Can everybody see that about your own lives and what God is doing here in our midst? You're being made ready to do the work of the Lord. Not just talk about it. Not, not have a hypothetical that one day, somewhere, there might be a unicorn-like person who will actually maybe do something for the Lord. This is a group of people who's being actually prepared to do the work of ministry. To do the work of the Lord. I mean, that is a glorious privilege in being able to participate in a divine kahuna, the divine priesthood. I mean, you've got to guard what you've been included into, what is now your inheritance. It demands the removal of our self-sufficiency. Yes. Yes, it does. It demands the removal of our self-sufficiency. No, I'm going to just do this. This is about me and the Lord. I'm going to go off in quiet. Yeah, not only is that not right for the pruning process or the shaving process, but it's not right for the work that God actually assigns you to do. See, he's teaching you in that process the desperation, the interconnectedness that you have to have to be able to actually now stand for, step forward and do exactly what God has called you to do. It's almost like it's a Galatians 3 where, are you so foolish that what you began by the Spirit, you're now trying to complete in the flesh? See, what you began by needing those around you, by God putting you in a community that these things are not hidden, you can't then, once you're through with the pruning, go, I got it now, thanks, I'll go do this on my own. There has to be a crushing of self-sufficiency, a guarding of the interconnectedness that is on the display between the kehuna, the priesthood, the Levites, and the people. We see the picture in the word. Do we see the picture in our own home? Let me talk to you husbands for just a minute. Oh, yeah. Let, let me go ahead and just make this as practical as I can make it. Husbands, you have to be seeking direction from your high priest and then giving the direction to his people, which is your home, your wife and your children. Oh, pastor, we've heard this. We, we know this. Let's look at it from what we're learning today yeah. to be able to guard the mission of the high priest and the mission of the people. This interconnectedness is you guarding these missions. Now, I'm not talking about just an exchange of information. 
How many husbands and wives at the beginning of a day and or an end of a day, you at least connect and talk about your day together? Amen. That's different than the husbands, than you stepping forward and giving direction and a purpose to what your wife is going to do in that day. It's not enough just to catch up with details. It's not an exchange of information. How was your day? I don't know. Well, how was your day? Okay, that's great. Thanks. High five. Let's go to bed. It's about a husband actually acting as the son and the wife reflecting that. It's a husband saying, let me tell you what you need to do today. Let me give you direction so that you can know what is going to, because I've already had time with the Lord and he's already told me what we need to do. The husbands in this house, let me tell you from my own personal experience, I have been good at catching up with my wife and you know what the Lord is moving me to do? He's moving to give more direction. I need to let her know because I am in connection with the high priest and now I am in connection with her and we need to tell, I need to instruct her in what she's supposed to do. It's almost like leadership is about leading. (laughs) Crazy. It's almost like leadership is about leading and not just reacting to what's going on. Oh, that's a great word. If you're only talking to catch up in details, then you are not yet leading. You might be communicating, but you are not yet leading. Got a lot more quiet than it was just a minute ago. Y'all were with me at the first part of this. Stay with me now. Leading is about you getting out in front versus waiting to be asked about something or waiting until something goes wrong. Men of LCM, hear the cry today. You have to stand up and lead in your homes. You got to get rid of the self-sufficiency in you and you have to get it rid of it in your wife where she gets to determine her day. What are you going to do today? Well, here's all the things that I have planned. As the husband, you have not yet begun to lead yet. Here's all the things that I'd like to do and I just did them all and then we check up at the end of the day. That's not leading, church. See, what God is doing is he's developing an interconnectedness. Let's start in our own homes. Let's start in our marriages. Let's start with the men not just hearing about doing the work of the Lord, but actually making yourself about the business of doing the work of the Lord. And it starts with you being the high priest of your home, holding on to the high priest of the heavens and to the people. You having simultaneously both missions in hand. I'm not going to ignore my family because I'm being so spiritual. I'm not going to ignore the Lord because I've got to deal with my family. Somebody say, and you got to do both. You got to do it right in both cases, not leaning one way or another. You've got to hear from the heavens and direct your family. Come on, men. Some of the men in this house say, I will direct my family. So let me bring you back to surfing again. Peyton, can anybody become a big kahuna mastering monster waves on a sea of glass? No. No, no, no. If you do, you're, you're, de- you're deceiving yourself. In order to operate as a big kahuna, you need to stand between the tension of two elements. The peak and crest of a wave and the very lowest valley of it. What is above you and what has been entrusted below you. So wives, was that a good word for the husbands? Come on. 
I hear like three women. What's going on? Was that a good word for the husbands, ladies? There we go. At a very high octave. Well, we spoke about the husbands. Now it's your turn. See, I have a most excellent easer. Beautiful easer. Gorgeous. Grandmother. Cinnamon sexy grandmother. Oh, yeah, that's it. Term of endearment. She is the God-ordained easer in my life. And putting these principles into practice that Pastor just described, it has transformed my marriage. And honestly, I neglected it for some time. I partially did it. And it was mainly an exchange of information, not a leading from the divine that I received to then direct her with. Well, ladies, ladies this, this requires you to have a similar perspective. You need to look to your husband as the big kahuna. And you need to oh, see yeah. the tension between guarding the mission that he gives you and the mission of taking care of your household. What this involves is that in this night and day of seeking direction, you're going to bring to your husband the important parts of your heart. What's going on inside of it, your fears, your worries. You're going to unload these things and set them as, at his feet so that. Ladies, I want to hear you say so that. So that your husband can then be your high priest. See, unloading your cares and worries on your husband with a predetermined solution that he has to agree to, that's not him being your high priest. God has ordained the priesthood of a home to function through interconnectedness. The two becoming one in everything, but in his prescribed way. Wives, when you are seeking your husband's direction, you are then able to guard his mission and guard the mission over your children. So seeking his direction, it's so much different than just seeking his approval. How do you know that that's really the case that you struggle with? What do you do when your husband realigns and redirects your whole day? What comes out of you? Is it sulking? Is it a fit? Is it fighting? Is it picking apart his plan so that you can disqualify it and go about with what you already determined to do? Or is it truly walking in a state of humility and submitting your plans to him? Say, this is what I am thinking, but do with it whatever you like, because I trust the priesthood that you provide over me. Come on. This requires from you, though, complete transparency of your thoughts, complete disclosure of what you feel, ladies, so that then he can pasture you with precision. If you're hiding your true thoughts, if you're putting under the rug your true feelings and just presenting him the shiny side of the apple, then he cannot help pastor you correctly. So the, or, what God has ordained is for you to be completely transparent with your husband. Let's put it all together with where we've been coming from in Numbers 3. Ministering to Aaron was ministering to the Lord. The Levites ministering to Aaron was them ministering to the Lord. So ladies, for you, ministering to your husband is ministering to the Lord. And ministering to your children 
as well as seeing him when you minister to your husband. You know, the more that you easer your husband rightly in right order, the better priest he becomes. And therefore, your children get what they need instead of you trying to guard what you fear. Look, ministry to your kids is ministering to your husband and to the Lord. That tension between do we go to this birthday party and if we don't, my emotional state of my children is going to collapse or do I look to the mission of what my husband has set today? They're not diametrically opposed. They are to be in unity with the big kahuna in the way that he set his order. And when you trust that order, your fear will be crushed and you will get everything you need, ladies. Somebody say, thank you, Pastor. What you're hearing today is what has been on our hearts and what God is doing in our lives. We didn't come up with a fictitious thing that we thought would be clever. We're actually in, involved in this, and we're talking to you throughout the week. We're, we're counseling you. We're, we're hearing from the Lord of what's needed in our own families. I love what Pastor Matt just said. You're either guarding your husband as high priest or you're guarding your fears. Man, I didn't want you to miss that. I had, that, was, that was powerful in what he just said. Let's talk to you singles just for a second. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, you. we talked to husbands and wives. What about the rest of you guys in here? See, the two things that you are working to find the mission of is Jesus as the high priest and the community that's around you. You've got to be divinely led in what God is doing, and you also have to be divinely connected to what God is doing in this body. I mean, divinely connected so that, that you can remember. Yes. And just in case you didn't know, I just want to remind all the singles in the house that singleness is a gift. Come on, man. It is a gift from God to you. And therefore, somebody say, therefore. Therefore. You should learn how to become a gift to the body of Christ. Man, that's what you're working on. You're working on hearing from the heavens and being a gift because God gave you a gift of singleness. It is a gift. It is something precious. It's not something for you to run away from, but to walk through so that the gift that God has given you is not wasted on you, but you become a gift to the body of Christ. Yeah. It is a privilege that you have to be brought near. Yes. He's doing it before you even have the rest of your family. He is giving you a privilege to be clothed, to be anointed, to be able to come near, able to sacrifice, and he's giving you an inheritance now. Come on, that's an incredible, incredible gift that God has given to you. Church, God's design has always been to have a nation of priests. A kingdom of people walking under the kahuna of the king and the eternal high priest. He demonstrated this through one nation on earth, through Israel. And then through that one nation, he did it with one tribe called the Levites within that nation. And he was doing this so that we could see, so that we could see the depth of the privilege of being connected, being dependent upon the way of life that he established. With that in mind, turn with us to Revelation chapter 1 as we get ready to close. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5. Somebody say the big kahuna when you get there. Revelation 1 and verse 5, it says this. And from Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us 
and somebody say and 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 freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and father to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Our faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the Kings of the earth is in fact the big ultimate glorious kahuna that we get to follow. He is able to accomplish both the mission to love us and to free us by his own blood and through the resurrection power. He is able to do both, to love and to free you. He is able to make us both a kingdom and a kahuna, a priesthood that he is able to lead. Church, this should give you the ultimate amount of confidence. In case you didn't know it, Revelation is at the end of the story that we have. It's at the end of his words to us. And he wanted to make sure that as he is beginning this part of the Bible, that he's telling you that he is able to both love and to free. He is able to make you into a kingdom and a priesthood. And he's able to give you the confidence that he has entrusted something that is precious and privileged to each one of us. Are you guys building and growing in your confidence? Clarity of direction for your priesthood? Turn with me to our last scripture, Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to pick up in verse 19. Big kehuna. Are you there? Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest, since we have a big kehuna over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. And having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And. I say and, and. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward loving good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. So it's time. It's time to have confidence to draw near. Because out of love for you, he has made a way for you to draw near. Out of love for you, he has sacrificed on your behalf as a great priest over the house of God. As a big kahuna that is your covering. Our love for you should give you confidence as well. To see the priesthood that is increasing in this house. Households that are growing in the confidence of your priesthood. What we're able to do now as a church is exponentially more than it was just two years ago. You are the essential part of that growth. You are walking in the love and sacrifice that your great priest has made for you. And it's showing. 
We're going to hold unswervingly. You know what that is? That's guarding the mission of our high priests. And we're going to consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. That's guarding the mission of one another in this whole congregation. So let's stand to our feet. So as we rightly evaluate our hearts, hearing this word, letting the Lord identify some areas where we can respond and grow in our priesthood. What is getting in the way of your guarding the mission of Jesus, the high priest? Are you guarding your fear and expectations more or on equal plane with the mission of Yeshua? What is distracting you from guarding the mission of the whole congregation? Is there a fear of not being accepted? Fear of not measuring up? So you just withdraw? Go the opposite direction. Draw closer to the body. And that is guarding the mission of the high priest and the people. Here at this altar, you can have your hearts made clean free of guilt so that you can guard the missions. Here this altar, you can be washed with a pure renewal of your divine image and your call and participation and privilege of being a priest. Here you can be empowered to unswervingly hold to your priestly mission. So as we pray that our hearts get renewed, encouraged, made right with God, so that when you stand up, you're now fully prepared to go do the work. Are you ready, church? Mighty God, we come before you right now as our great high priest. Lord, as the great Hehuna of our lives, Lord. But we are coming to you saying, strip away, Lord, those things that are causing us, Lord, to not guard your mission. Lord, on the mission of the people that you have put us around. Lord, that you would move on husbands, Lord, that they would stand up and lead in their homes. Lord, not worrying about the measure of this world, but worrying about and concerning themselves only with what they have been given holy to. Lord, let us be given holy to you and to your purposes in our lives. Lord, that your spirit would move upon us now. Lord, develop on us the priesthood that we might do the work of the Lord. That every man, that every woman in this room could do the work of the Lord and please you as our great high priest. Move upon your people today.